All right, this whole series we've been going through, and every week I start with like a, a time machine moment where I go back and it's like, do you remember this? And a lot of us don't remember it, and I, I take us there. So I want, I want you to go with me, okay? Here's the day now. If you got your calendar out, this is where we were. February 8, 2015. Anybody know what happened that day? February 8, 2015. Um, I woke up at 5.30 or 6 a.m. It was a Sunday to just so many texts and phone calls. They're already on my phone. They should not be waiting for you at 5.30. You should have already dealt with that. And they all said basically the same thing. They said, the YMCA is on fire. At the time, our church had been meeting at the YMCA for about a year and five months. We were a very baby church, still changing our baby church diapers and learning how to do the baby church walk. And the place that we had established, like this is our home base, this is our hub, this is where we do things. We'd done marketing to the community. We had established a great relationship with the YMCA and served with them in a lot of ways. Like, I get this phone call, I'm like, okay, well, what does that mean? And it's, it's funny, I got on the phone, finally I called Shannon, the branch manager there at the YMCA on Market Street, and, and we got talking, and she said, she said, listen, we really don't know how bad it is yet, like, maybe you'll still be good <laughs> today for church. Uh, she was uh, maybe a little... Um, optimistic. Um, we were not good that day. So we showed up at the, the building into the parking lot. And in those days, uh, we used to pull a trailer uh, from somewhere and, and a group would get there at 645 to get the trailer pulled up. So people who are like, I can't be at church by 10. It's my day off. I've, for 10 years, I've been like, wow. Wow. Okay, cool. Cool. You can't make it by 10. All right, cool. Well, we'll be here at 645 pulling trailers. And so anyway, we're here at 645. And, uh, and then by 7, another crew would show up and, and, uh, and we, would, we would load into the building and we would get set up. Now, by the grace of God, we were able to bump that back to 730, guys. We got really good at it. 730. And so anyway, we're standing in the parking lot. There's, uh, look at this picture here. Perry, throw that picture up. Uh, this is kind of what, this is actually from the, um, the newspaper, or the, like on the internet I found this week. Uh, but that's basically what we walked up on. Uh, fire trucks or police cars there. The YMCA leadership was all out there. And there was about four of us that rolled up, and we were just like, yeah, we're not going to be in this building today. Like, that's not happening. Like, what? Have you ever been in one of those moments where you're just like, well, what do you do right now? Like, what's the plan? I had some amazing mentoring, some great just like uh, th this, this like residency thing I did for church planting. I'd been in ministry. I'd been in leadership for like, I think, 12 13 years at that point in my life. I dealt with a lot of crazy stuff, but nothing really prepares you for this moment. You're like, okay, church is in like a couple hours, and what do you even do? So we stood there, and we kind of we cooked up a game plan. We said, all right. Uh, oh, I got I to mention this, because this is really cool. The YMCA had already reserved us a ballroom at a local hotel. Wasn't that cool? They were like concerned about it. Isn't that neat? Uh, we didn't end up going there, but I, was, I mean, they showed up like, hey, so-and-so's got this ready for you. I was like, what? You have way bigger problems right now. But it's so cool that they did that. Uh, the, the small group of us just said, all right, well, there's a park up the road called MP Park. Let's go to MP Park. Let's just go there. Uh, it was February. It was 55 degrees. Beautiful, sunny. It's like, well, this seems right. Uh, now, the great technology of 10 years ago um, involved uh, a phone tree where I had to call, like, record a message. And does anybody remember getting those calls from me? Like, why does Chris keep calling me with a fake message? Like, we had that. So I remember being like, Hey, this is Chris. There's been a, I don't even know what I said. Uh, Why is on fire? Yeah, we're going to MP Park. I don't know what I said, but we did that. We sent that out. We sent out emails for all the people who love to check their email at like 7 a.m. on a Sunday. Um, and, and what was wild is that uh, just a little while later, uh, we, we ended up at the MP Park, and like almost all of our church family showed up. They were just there, and we were like, we are a mobile church. Like, we just go. Like, you just tell us where to meet. 
and we'll be there. And it was an amazing day. I mean, I remember uh, Aaron was there, and he had his acoustic guitar, and we just did a song. Some of y'all might have sang with him. I don't remember. But it was just like, we, it was just very chill. We just sang a song, a couple songs out there. Um, all of our chairs, some of you might remember, we bought a small trailer before the chairs at the time because the YMCA, uh, they're much bigger now because they had a fire. And, but at the time, they didn't have room for all of our chairs. And so they were like, we can't keep storing these chairs. So we had just bought this trailer like three weeks earlier. We had just taken our chairs out of the building. So they were in this trailer. We're like, well, that's convenient. So we just pulled the trail, trailer there. We had chairs. I spoke for like 12 minutes. Um, you guys aren't going to be that lucky today. I'm sorry. Um, but like 12 minutes. It's actually still on our podcast. I remember I took my phone. I just propped it somewhere and just recorded it on my phone. So like the audio of that is on. And I actually listened to that sermon this week. And it was, it was touching. So February 8th, 2015. Scroll on back on the podcast. You can find it. And it was something. And, and in all the tragedy and in all the loss, we found something that we didn't know we had. We found the church. Um, so often we think of the church as a place. Uh, we think of a church as, as a program. We think of the church as what's happening with kids' ministry right now, or what's our budget going to be, or what do things look like and smell like and taste like, you know, these tangible elements. But, but when you look at the church in Scripture, in the New Testament, where the church is born, the church is so much better known for what they do than for where they are. We are the church. I'm in this teaching series right now. Uh, this is the last week of it, and we've just been calling it Walking in the Light. And it's just really been an opportunity for us to just explore all of the different um, lessons we've learned in the last 10 years. And for me, it's many. Like, we would be doing this series for the rest of my life if I had to write down all the lessons I've learned in the last 10 years uh, through being a part of this church family. Uh, but we had to choose four because that's because our attention span is about four messages in a series I found. So uh, we're, we're doing four, and, and in, the, in the time, we've, we've discovered some things. And the first week uh, was a really big Sunday. It was a really big Sunday for us, and I didn't plan it this way. God's providence and sense of humor did, that it was our last Sunday in the YMCA when we did the first sermon in this series. And the message that week, the lesson we learned was that Jesus transforms lives. It's simple, it's basic, but if we don't like get to the point that like do we understand people, like if you're here right now, I want you to know, even if you're a guest, even if you're, you feel far from God or you kind of the church gets on your nerves or like whatever it is, I want you to understand the message of the church is that Jesus can transform you. He wants to transform you. He wants to bring you to a place where you're at one and with him, right? Jesus transformed lives. We told stories and it was great. We looked at Romans chapter 12 in the New Testament and we studied through that and talking about what it means to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And then we'll be able to uh, know what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And so that was chapter 12 of Romans. It was really good. That's the first week. The second week was another big Sunday. It was our first Sunday in this building. We didn't have that paper over there yet, but we were here. And we, we did it. We were here, and it was exciting. And the lesson we learned that week was that we exist to build the kingdom. We exist to build the kingdom. In 10 years, one thing that I think we talked about almost as much as anything is what it means to be part of the kingdom of God. So we use this phrase, it's actually on a sign out in the lobby right there, that our, like, what we do is we carry pockets of heaven with us everywhere we go. Because God resides with us through his Holy Spirit. Several of the songs this morning, not planned, but it actually is a big part of what I'm talking about today, involved the role of God's Spirit in our lives. We call that him the Holy Spirit. But, like, and as he is with us and because he is moving in us, that's why we can carry pockets of heaven with us everywhere we go. Because he's with us. And so wherever you go, you're doing that. That's what the kingdom of God is. It's not what happens when you die. We don't believe in Jesus so that one day things will, one day when you die, 
you'll go to heaven. That's an amazing benefit. It's a big part of it. But actually, right here, right now, we have this opportunity, this obligation to carry pockets of heaven with us everywhere you go. We should, that's right. And we should, change, we should change other people. If Jesus transforms your life, then we can change from other people's lives. So there we go. That's week two. Week three, what, that's this week, is another big week, another huge week. This is the week where our plumbing doesn't work. So it's a big week, right? And so uh, we'll remember it forever. Um, but we have a different lesson today. And I was really wrestling with like, what? Oh, wait, sorry, that... That was like week three. This is week four. Week four is the week when the plumbing doesn't work. And I've been saving this message for today on our 10th birthday. And I've been thinking about the YMCA is on fire. Because as we move into this new space, I remember one of the things that we said that day was this. It's not about a building. And here, 10 years later, I want to tell you, it was never about a building. It can't be. The lesson this week is simple. I already said it. We are the church. We are the church. Uh, when I was uh, a kid going to Sunday school, um, I, look, I praise God for all the Sunday school teachers who sit with kids, snotty nose kids, feeding them goldfish and graham crackers. and like You know what I mean? Like, and these kids, they don't know why they're there. Their mom and dad brought them to church. They have no idea why they came. And they're learning these songs, and it's great. And they, and, but one of the things I remember learning as a kid um, was this. And may, maybe you know it. It's a little, it's a little rhyme. It's a little hand motion game. Maybe you know it. You can do a long. It's like, it's like this. It's like, here's the church. You know this? Here's the steeple. If you don't know this, look at your neighbor because this is good stuff. All right. <laughs> Open the doors. See all the people. Boom. Like somebody was, Mother Goose was. Okay. Uh, and there's a second verse that some people don't know. Okay. So then you got your church, your steeple, your people, right? And then it says, close the doors and listen to them pray. And open the doors and they all go away. All the love in the world to the, the, the Sunday school teachers who, who raised many of us, okay? But I'm going to tell you something. It's, it's, it's fairly bad theology, uh, okay? <laughs> because here's the deal. Uh, it's, and also, it wouldn't work as well if you did it this way. Uh, here is the building, and back in the day, they wanted to put bells in the building, so they built a little tower on top. And so then they would ring bells when it was time for church, and sometimes when they had clocks and stuff. And then if you open the door, there's the church. And then you close the doors because they're going to pray in the church, but also they should go out and they should do things in the world. Like, that's just not as fun for kids to learn. So they don't do it that way. So do the song. I'm not, I'm not even, like, slamming it. Teach it to your kids. It's great. But what I want us to understand is that it was never about a building. Not from day one, not from 2,000 years later, not from 10 years later for Venture Church. We are the church. And our mission our mission is out there. I love that James said in his prayer that we are not a landing place, and maybe you need a landing place. By all means, make it a landing place. Come and be, and come and heal, and come and grow. But the church is a launching point. I did something really crazy this week. I see a couple of my friends from the neighborhood in here right now. I did something crazy this week. For the last few weeks, we've had a sign out front that says, uh, Future Home of Venture Church. And so I've seen a lot of neighbors walk by like, when are y'all going to open? I'm like, well, we've actually been here for two weeks. But we, like, we, we want to make sure that like, we're ready, you know? And if a whole lot of people came at the same time, I mean, obviously you can see this room is full. What does it even mean to have more than one service in this building? I'm going to tell you one thing it means is a lot of y'all need to volunteer to do children's ministry. That's just, I'm not even making a joke right now. That's a serious thing. Some of, we, we got a very tight parking situation. We're going to need some help with that. So we're building a plan for that. Some, there's like some, some checkpoints we want to hit before we launch into that. But we got a great situation in the lobby right now. Some of you have sat out there. You can stand out there and hear the music and hear the preaching and see it on TV out there. And it's, it's pretty, some of you might would rather do that anyway. So we can actually still grow in this place without doing it. But all that, I did something crazy this week. I took that sign down. Yeah, 
That's a big step. I took the sign down, and I told, I told several people, like, all right, yeah, we're in. We're in, and everybody can come down. And tell your friends, guys. Tell them. Tell them we're here. We're here because I want to be a place where we can launch from this space and go across the street and go up the road and go down market. And more and more people can come, come to this place not because this is the destination, but because this is a place where they can be transformed. This is a place where pockets of heaven are being built. We are the church. We always dive into the Bible when I teach, and so we're going to look at kind of two different places in Scripture today. If you've got a Bible, we're going to be in the book of 1 Peter, so grab that, open up to it. It'll be on the screen if you don't have a Bible. Uh, 1 Peter is in the New Testament of the Bible, written by a guy called the, the Apostle Peter, and the apostles were like, uh, they, they were Jesus' main leaders when the church first started, but Peter's kind of special because Peter was like, he was the main spokesperson for all of Jesus's. Uh, apostles at that time. He actually gave the very first sermon in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit of God comes down among all the people. 3,000 people get saved that day. It was Peter who preached that sermon. And so um, this is Peter. And he writes a couple letters and we got one called 1 Peter and 2 Peter. And in 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 4, we get this, uh, this picture of the church. I just want to read it to you this morning um, and, and then unpack it a little bit. 1 Peter chapter 2 starting at verse 4, it says, as you come to him, He's talking about Jesus in this setting. As you come to Jesus, and he calls him the living stone, we're about to build a metaphor out of stones. Uh, you can use the idea of bricks or concrete blocks or whatever it is, the kind of thing that you would build with. So as you come to him, the living stone, who was rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now we have unpacked this passage a bunch of times here in the last 10 years. It's one of my favorite places to go to because it really reminds us of this imagery. But like I, I want you to picture like it's, it says that you are living stones being built together as a spiritual house. That's this metaphor. And whenever I talk about this, it's hard for me not to use this illustration of like a human pyramid. And maybe you've seen it. You don't really see human pyramids that much anymore. Uh, but I, I got to go to a, a, a varsity football game uh, two weeks ago. We got to see uh, Hoggard play North Brunswick. And uh, rest in peace, North Brunswick. It was bad. It was bad. We were on the North Brunswick side, okay? We were pulling for you guys. But it was a rough game. But anyway, uh, well, the most interesting side on the North Brunswick side was the cheerleaders because they were really good. And um, so we were over there. And, and my daughter was really watching them the whole time. She was like, this is so cool. And, and, and they do this thing. I, I have no idea. These are the bravest humans in the world is high school cheerleaders. Okay? They have no fear of anything. And, and, and there's like the littlest one. She's like 17 pounds. Okay? And, they, and they're like just throwing her up in the air, right? And, and you've seen it, right? And, or they're like holding her on one leg. And, and she's doing like yoga poses. And all kind of, I can't do stuff like flat on the ground. She's doing it on someone's palm. And it's amazing. But this is a system if you've seen it. Okay? So you got the girl on top and it's impressive. But like around her. Without this group around her, she's not doing that. And so there's someone holding her foot, and there's some people holding her ankle, and then I don't even know all the stuff. There's people at the bottom, they have jobs. And then like, one, two, three, and up, and wee! And she lands, she's like safely on the ground. She's this high off the, the asphalt. They're on a track. I'm like, this what? What? And then uh, Hawker scored another touchdown, and then they did it again. I'm sorry, Ty. Um, and, so, and so, but look, it, here's the thing. When, when Peter says, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. There's a support system there. And, and everybody has a part. And, and look, the girl on the bottom who might be farthest away from the center is just as important. Perhaps, I don't know a lot of cheerleading, but I've heard this. 
maybe some of the most important part of that stunt. Because they make sure that girl doesn't hit the asphalt. And if we are the church, and the whole idea is that we are living stones, okay? These stones, here's your metaphor. A lot of you worked on this building. We have metal studs, and, and, and we have drywall. Like, you are the littlest screw. Who, how many of you guys put in those little bitty screws? How many of you put in, like, a thousand of them? Yeah. And, like, those little bitty screws, as annoying as they are, we needed them to hold this building together. You follow the analogy. Every piece is, is vital. You also, like, living stones are being built into a spiritual house, this is an instruction to the church, and I want to kind of give a little history lesson because we call it the church. The, the English word church comes from like a kind of a, an Irish thing, I think, and it kind of tracks its way back to, um, I think, German. Uh, but like this isn't, the word church as we use it today actually is not even close to the word that they used in the New Testament. The word in the New Testament, the Greek word was ecclesia. You know this word? Uh, and uh, you might see Spanish churches are called uh, iglesia. It's the, ex- it's the exact same uh, transliteration of the same word. And that word means, does anybody know? It means assembly. It means the assembly. And so when they talked about each other, they talked about the assembly. So they weren't like, they weren't like we're going to go to the building place. We're, gonna go to, we're not going to go to Darlington Avenue. We're not going to go to the YMCA. We're going to go to the assembly. So even in the language that they used as they talked about each other, it implied this, this living stones building. We're together. We're in community. We're doing this thing. And so the ecclesia, the assembly, gathers together, um, and, and, and they all have a role to play, and it's... it's I don't want to give too much credit to the bricks in the building. Uh, this building would be kind of bad without its foundation, wouldn't it? And so in this same passage in 1 Peter, Jesus is actually mentioned. He's called the chief cornerstone. Another place he's called the, uh, like the keystone. And like there's these very important bricks in that early masonry system that we still use to this day. So like none of this is possible without Jesus. But I, I want to tell you guys, we, what is our role? We are the church. We have a job to do. We have a role to play in each other's lives and in the lives of people who might be far from God. And we, the church, are that living building. And something happens here, which is pretty cool. I, I want to just real quick skip over to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19. And this is not in the context, really, of what Peter's talking about. Um, 1 Corinthians 6, 19. I, I, I never want to take scripture like out of context just to make a point. So let me tell you the context of 1 Corinthians 6. It's actually about morality and particularly about like the sexual morality of the Corinthians. And so you can read all of chapter 6 and you're going to see some good stuff there. It's good for you. But in the context of talking about our morality, he actually talks about our bodies like a building. And so look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. It says, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you whom you have received from God you are not your own you were bought with a price and in that price we're talking about the sacrifice of of Jesus he came and he gives his life he's like listen I paid my life for you you were bought at a price therefore honor God with your bodies so you can see how that fits in the context of the morality piece but what's also cool about what we were talking about with Peter, you also like living stones being built into a spiritual house. This is cool. Because if we're being built into a spiritual house, and each one of us is a, a brick, another brick in the wall, like if that's you, it says that your body, your brick, is a temple. In the old temple system in the Old Testament, 
there was a place in Jerusalem, and, and uh, I talked about it in week two of this series, and there was like the tabernacle, which was more like a tent version of this, and God allowed his presence to be in that place, and they had the Ark of the Covenant, which is like this, this, this relic of their, their history, and, they, and it, was, it was God's presence was there. And then they, they transitioned from the tent, the tabernacle, into the temple, which is a brick-and-mortar place built by King Solomon, and they go in there, and it's this amazing scene that happens there. And, um, and, and that was like considered where the presence of God was. Now, is that like the limit of God's presence at that time? No, not at all. God was everywhere. I don't believe in the word secular in the sense that there are places where God is not. God is capable of being where he wants to be. But for the average person who wanted to worship God and, and know how to honor him best, their, their best bet would be to go to Jerusalem. And, the, and then in this place, they could experience God. They could worship God. And within Jerusalem, there were these people that worked in the temple. They were called, the, you know, the priests. The priest, the priest worked there, okay? And the priest kind of helped you out. They would help, they would help with, with prayers. They would help you with worship. They would offer sacrifices on your behalf because they had actually gone through a process, a cleansing process, which made them what they called ceremonially clean. And so in, in God's program, not just anybody could walk into the temple and start making sacrifices. No, it, it was so sacred that they said, listen, you have to prepare yourself. You have to get in the mode. And so they only let the priest do it. And that was a big deal. Now, now, let's put all this together, so stick with me. This is like this big, big theological uh, spaghetti ball, but it's, man, it comes together. This is, <laughs> this is so cool. Okay, so you also, like living stones are being built into a spiritual house, full stop. First Corinthians teaches us that each one of our bricks is a temple of God, okay? You have the Holy Spirit. If you've given your life to Jesus and Christian baptism and you've submitted to him and this is the whole thing, like, then you, ha- you, are, you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, in a practical sense, that's why we can carry pockets of heaven with us everywhere that we go. God prepares us. He sanctifies us. He makes it possible for me to go and sit with my brother and my sister or my complete stranger that I just met and, like, talk with them and pray with them and all this stuff because, because God, God's presence is fully dwelling in me as if it was in the temple. It's like, you might feel that way. I certainly don't feel that way all the time. A lot of times I'm just like, does God even want to be near me? Would he touch me with a 10-foot pole? Who served in the original temple? What was their title? Do you remember? The Levites, Levites, and they were priests. That's right. That's even extra credit. Um, They were priests. Check this out. You are the temple. We are the temple because we're living stones. And and check out. We're we're back in 1 Peter, chapter 2, now verse 5. It says, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to to be a holy priesthood. Offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So check this out. You get to be the bricks. You get to be the building. You get to be the priests. This is one thing, and this is like, it, it, it kind of is a joke sometimes when I, when I hang out with friends. This is one thing about when, I, when, when people address me and they just call me pastor, like I'm on some different plane than someone else. Oh, pastor. I'm like, just call me Chris. And you know that I will turn around and call you pastor, because I've done it a lot of times. Because if we are all priests serving in the temple of the living God, none of us is above the other. We have one high priest. The book of Hebrews tells us that it's Jesus Christ. The rest of us are just serving in our temple. And we're taking pockets of heaven with us everywhere we go. You follow? Isn't this neat? The Bible's cool. There's a lot of cool stuff in there. It's not just boring and old stories, but you've got to take some time to really process, how does it make a difference in my life? We are the church. It was never about a building. 
We have a mission. Uh, in, in 10 years, we've been on a mission. Can we just celebrate some things together? This is, a, this is like a 10-year celebration. This is kind of a list, but get pumped with me. Together, guys, we have seen 63 people give their life to Jesus in Christian baptism. 63. <laughs> baptism. We are the church. Together, we have supported ministries all over the world, people in Cameroon, West Africa, people in Indonesia, people in Papua New Guinea. We're helping with Bible translation through uh, Pioneer Bible Translators. Guys, we are the church. Together, we have loved kids in Jesus' name. We did it under the guise of hashtag kids matter. And all the things that we do, and we love our kids. We probably had 40 babies in the last 10 years whose mamas and daddies had brought them up onto this stage. Not this stage. This is our new one. But somewhere... And we've had a baby celebration week where we said, we as the church are going to come alongside these parents and love them. And a lot of them are still here. Some of them have moved away. We are the church. As a church, guys, we have supported something like 50 children in a child sponsorship programs through organizations like GEM, Global Educational Ministries, and Compassion International. I know the majority of them are in Ecuador, but some of you have kids other places. Wow, 50 kids being rescued from poverty in Jesus' name, getting Christian education, getting the things that they need. With this tiny little church right here, we are the church. We probably had 50 college students that have called Vitcher Church home while they were at UNCW. And uh, we've been able to be on campus with them and go be part of their campus ministry and say, listen, just come while you're here. We, we always say this, find an anchor in the local church while you're in college. And so many kids have answered that call. And what I love is that years later, we still to this day, I talked to Caleb Darden, some of you know, just this past week. He's in Kenya right now with his new wife serving as a missionary. And he sent me an email, and he was just thanking us for the stuff that we did when he was in college. He remembers that. It makes a difference. We are the church. I have had the privilege of officiating the weddings for a lot of you guys. <laughs> and so that's special. But check this out. I know of at least two couples, there might be more, who met at Venture Church. And both of those couples have children now. There are people in the world existing <laughs> because we are the church. I've done a lot of weddings. I haven't had to do many funerals. But we've lost some. I think of Bob Zimmerman, Kevin Loyley, David Elliston, Annette Carter, Errol and Rita Stepp. I guess what? Even in heartache and loss, we are the church. And those people have a better eternity, and we have a better life on this earth because we knew each other. Guys, we founded a nonprofit together called DART ILM, who is still serving in Hurricane Florence Relief, even without us in Pender County. We are the church. I think of friends who have found themselves in trouble and in prison. And if you've been here long, you know who some of them are. Some of them were part of our church before they went in. Some of them became part of our church after they came out. We've had people invited to our church from people they met in prison. <laughs> and I've sat across the glass from a number of guys and cried with them and helped them and mailed them Bibles and sent them uh, sermon manuscripts printed out because they didn't have the Internet. And I know a lot of you have had them in your homes Jesus said, when you serve people in prison, he said, you're serving me. We are the church. I know that a number of you have had financial hard times. And your church family has stepped up to help you. Our benevolence fund and our generosity stuff, you know, we always tell people, like, look, you don't ever have to give money to hang out with us. We're not the church that's going to talk about money. 
But I want to let you know that in the last few years, I think that we've averaged something like 19% of our local offerings have gone out the door in benevolence and missions. Guys, that's huge. I know people who have lost their jobs, and some of you are in the room right now. I won't make any eye contact, so it's not awkward for you. But in some of the lowest spots financially in your life, you were able to call someone from the church. And, and because, because of your whatever you give, our finance team and our elders have been faithful to say, we set aside a portion of that to help people. We are the church. That's what we talked about last week. And yes, we have a building. <laughs> it's never been about the building, but isn't it nice? Look, I set up, I set up the production team all by myself this morning. Uh, me and Brian, just, we, t- we turned the buttons on, and we just, it, was, it was all set up. It was all set up. We didn't have to run any cords, and, you know, we have a building. And, and I want to celebrate that this last year in October, do you remember our Above and Beyond campaign? Yeah, the initiative. And so a few of you are new since then, but we have, uh, when we got the opportunity to have this building, we were like, well, we, we can't really afford it all the way, so... We're going to need to step up. And I said, listen, no one has to give to this thing. This is about extravagant giving. This is above and beyond anything you would ever do. And guys, you, you guys stepped up and raised over $350,000 towards the upfit of this building. Which, by the way, the upfit of this building cost about $400,000. And I, I'm stunned because I know what you guys do for a living. <laughs> I know what I do for a living. And I'm looking at this going like, wow, what faithfulness, what sacrifice. And not a single person is asking for a pat on the back or a plaque on a wall. They're just saying, we are the church. This is what we do because we understood this is a ministry center. It's not, it's not, a, it's not a prize to hang on our shelf. It's something we get to send out from. And in 10 years, we've helped to plant five new churches. Five. Jacksonville, North Carolina has restored church. Be praying for Roger Burns as they're in a building program themselves. And it's hard, I will tell you from firsthand experience. Jacksonville, Nightdale, North Carolina Movement Church, Bobby Wallace. And we haven't talked much about him from here because of the way they launched. He, has, he hadn't had a chance to be here, but our finance team knows about him. And some of you who have be been praying for our new churches, you know about them. So if you're ever in Nightdale outside of Raleigh and you want to go visit and encourage them, in Goldsboro, Kevin McNeil started Canvas Church. Guys, they just celebrated. We're 10 years old. We've had 63 baptisms. They just celebrated their second birthday last week. They've had 60 baptisms in Goldsboro. Yeah. Praise God for the work that we had a tiny little part in. And they're doing it over there. I told you two weeks ago, Greg Coverdale, and he was here this summer uh, twice with us, and uh, they launched Renew Christian Church in Durham, North Durham. And they're still figuring it out, but they're there. And in January, you've seen Corey Pelleggi up here. He's launching in Kinston, North Carolina. A brand new church called Collective Church. Be praying for them. And this morning we had a first. We had the Cartwrights come sit up here. And we're going to be the sending church for church planters in another city. We are the church! Come on! Oh. And so as we gathered in the parking lot, and the YMCA was on fire <laughs> that morning in 2015, and we decided that we were going to have church at MP Park, I went home, and because uh, I needed to write a new sermon, because I had written one, I'm like, this ain't going to work. <laughs> I went home, and I think my family was still in bed, because they were like, we don't need to be up at 645, and so I remember sitting in my living room, and I was just like, what do you even do right now? And I, I wrote down three phrases on, on a piece of paper. 
in three phrases. Uh, the first one, you know what it was? We are the church. <laughs> the second one was this. The devil is real. It is easy to get up on a mountaintop right now and feel good about 10 years, celebrate a bunch of stuff, being into our new building. But if the devil wasn't involved in that drain pipe outside, I don't know who was. <laughs> and you can pray for me. And you can pray for Perry and Emily and Ashley uh, as staff at our church take hits, spiritual warfare. When we feel real good and then next week it's like, oh man, everything's falling apart. And you can pray for our elders, Brandon, William, and James. As they lead our church, and I know because I know them when we're friends, they're constantly receiving spiritual attack from the enemy. Pray for our finance team. As they continually look at our books and they want to say, we want to be hilariously generous. That's one of our values. Hilarious generosity. How about that? Is give away first. That's our principle. That's our principle. We always look at the books and we're like, if things are tough and we might go down, <laughs> I said, let's go down swinging. <laughs> but pray for them because they've got big decisions to help us make as we figure out this new situation together. And in your own lives, as I know, your marriages are not the perfect marriage and your kids are not perfect and you're not perfect and your job's not perfect. The devil is real. And if we lose sight of the fact that we're in a spiritual battle and that this whole thing is about what's happening in the spiritual realm, then we've lost it. We are not, we are not aware of why we're even here. So I said, we are the church, the devil is real. But the third point I made on that crisp 55 degree day in February 2015 was, but Jesus is greater. Jesus is Greater, greater than the devil, greater than my fear, greater than my depression, my addiction, my failing marriage, my bad attitude, my job that I hate. Greater than the unknown and the uncertain that caused me to be anxious and worried to the point where I can't get out of bed in the morning. He is greater than the internet pornography struggle that you're wrestling with and you can't shake. He is greater than the spending problem that you have and you've got so many credit cards mixed out but you don't want to tell nobody. He's greater than that. And he's already victorious over the world, your sin, your life. Jesus is greater. We are the church. The devil is real. Footnote. But all caps, bold, underline, highlight in yellow, orange, and green. Jesus is greater. And that morning I read one scripture. It's from 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. It says this. You, dear children... You're from God, and you have overcome them, all that. You have overcome them because the one who is in you, the one that says that your body is the temple of the living God, the one that allows you to be living stones to be built into a spiritual building, a spiritual priesthood offering spiritual sacrifice, the one that is in you is greater than the one that is in the world. I'm so proud of our church family. I love what we've done in the last 10 years. But guys, we're, not, we're just getting started. What's happening 10 years from now? How many more can we send out to plant churches? Joe, you have full permission to come back whenever you can decide where you want to land and say, look, who wants to come with me? If you want to move with Joe and Christy to wherever they go, go with them. And I will cry 
but I will probably get Emily to buy you a lantern and, <laughs> and we'll send it out. And if you have friends who are far from God and they will not come on a Sunday morning, don't give up on that. No, don't invite them to your church building. Invite them to your living room and across from a coffee table and share a cup of coffee with them and into the front seat of your car. And just talk about life with them. And tell them Jesus transforms lives. And tell them that we are building the kingdom of God, taking pockets of heaven with us everywhere that we go. Tell them lesson three, which I didn't share earlier. We're stronger together because we are the church. Let's pray.